Bilky, it's it's Saturday, not not Friday or Thursday like we normally do the show. Yeah, well, it was Thanksgiving. I had family in town for the week. We, you know, we, this is like almost the 30th episode, dude. dude we we could take there. a day off. We're getting up there. I think it's like 24, 23, something, something hot. V proud. I'm very proud as well. Had a had a great slab of turkey in my belly and watched plenty of football and I took a nap. I think that's the recipe for a very, very well done Thanksgiving. Yes, but we also saw Justice League recently. Um, yes, yes, we saw it. <laughs> I witnessed it with my own retinas. We just have some things to say, so let's get that intro music and get the show on the route. Welcome back to a little bit of Nerd, your recreation destination for all things nerdy. As usual, I'm your host, Jalen Holston, and with me today is a man who was all in to see Justice League until we kind of saw it. Mr. Bilkey, how are, <laughs> how are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm really anxious. I've had a busy week with my family, like I said. We're doing pods today. I was supposed to work today, and then Cooley Bros. Are they, doing our biggest show yet tonight. Yes. The was it Friend Fest? Yes, Friend Festival. There's like seriously like twenty performers going on and someone like we actually have one big name uh ticket on the I don't even know what you call it. I guess the card. Yeah, on the well, yeah, on the on the card. Uh, on the lineup, lineup card, lineup, whatever. Yeah. His name is Ethereal. He's one of <laughs> my biggest influences in the music like industry, honestly. So I'm kind of I'm nervous right now. Don't I can be. feel myself shaking. Don't you dare be nervous. I've seen you on stage. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just trying not to fanboy over Ethereal. Just don't. You got to act like you don't give a shit about Ethereal. Oh, you're, what's your name again? <laughs> Ethernet? Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what you say. But anyway, on today's show, we got a Justice League review, uh, the Punisher review, because that came out on Netflix as well. And uh, the usual slate of nonsense, so let's just get right on into it. So, first of all, we're going to get into DC TV stuff before we get into the two reviews, because the reviews are going to be lengthy, especially for Justice League, because we have a lot to say about that. Yeah, we'll get there. I will get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So, uh, it's a portion of the show called DC TV Stuff, otherwise known as Jalen Recaps the Flash, because Bilky doesn't watch any of the shows, and Arrow got moved to Thursdays. Eer, <laughs> Well, this week on The Flash, Barry squares off against The Thinker, otherwise known as Clifford DeVoe. Uh, so, in this episode, we finally he finally gets some backstory on Clifford DeVoe, a.k.a. The Thinker. He was... Part of the particle accelerator explosion in season one got his brain tweaked a little bit to where his mind has an ever-expanding amount of knowledge. But in doing so, because of the energy required to keep his brain functional, he begins to experience paralysis throughout the rest of his body. So we get that whole backstory. It's really dope. Um, and also it's interesting because this is a villain that Barry can't just, like, run up and punch in the face or, like, shoot with a time-dimensional gun. Like... This man can outthink anything that you can think of. So does his head grow in size, kind of like uh, Modoc? No, not Modoc, but he has a cool like uh, little helmet and uh, wheelchair Professor X apparatus kind of thing that keeps his brain functional uh, and temporarily uh, diffuses the paralysis that's going on in his body. I'm really interested to see where this goes because this is going to be an interesting season for The Flash because it's not a speedster, it's not Gorilla Grodd. Um, the Clifford DeVoe actually even makes the line, he's like, you've stopped people that shoot icicles, and 
people that run faster than you. Those are children. You can't outthink me, Barry. It was something like along those lines, and that's when I was just like, oh, shit. So they've had at like least real. Um, like one interaction so far, but yes, have he, they to, sparred? No, like okay. this was the first ever like actual interaction that Barry's had with the villain of the season, which is perfect timing, I think, because now we, they've built him up enough to where it's like, okay, we're really into the villain, we get what he's about, but now we get to see like the full-blown like, no, you're done, Barry, I'm going to kill you and your family. Just kidding. He just His point of view is he wants to enhance the world and save it, by expanding everyone's knowledge, whether or not they necessarily want him to. So okay. it's kind of that kind of, like, he's in. he thinks he's in the right kind of thing. So those are the villains I really think are cool. I also enjoy those villains. Um, kind of off-topic, but I was watching Naruto, and I, I'm, at, I'm re-watching it. I was at the point where Sasuke comes back to the village, or comes back to help everyone in the war and he they're all kind of like what are you what are you doing here you're kind of the bad guy and he's like i want to be hokage and your leader now oh oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. so it, i think it's cool to see villains who have not the best intentions of getting to their goal but their goal always seems to be pure and it's um like i don't know he he doesn't seem like he wants they to destroy feel, the world they feel yeah. like they're the hero in their story is what yeah exactly he's just trying to purify the evil because he's probably withstood so much in his lifetime correct um, and then I'm also going to mention Arrow again because, <sighs> listen, I don't know what they did between season three and four and five. They must have changed writers. They must have had some kind of executive meeting. These last two seasons, Bill Key, I, I'm telling you, are fantastic pieces of little nuggets of Arrowverse te television. Oliver gets to come back this this episode, finally. He's been out of the game because... He wants to be a better father to his son, uh, Connor. So he asked John Diggle to take up the, the mantle of Green, of Green Arrow. But John has had these tremors. So finally, John gets his tremors treated. But uh, the experimental drug that he takes through uh, Mr. Terrific and Felicity, it's a modified uh, enhancement of her spinal injection that Mr. Terrific made for her so she can walk again, actually cost them a mission. So then that forces Oliver to kind of get back into action. So we get that awesome return. And I don't know if you've ever watched, um, what's that show called? Not the, I think it's The Blacklist, maybe. There's definitely a show called The Blacklist. Um, I don't know if it's The Blacklist or like, uh, but the, the guy from one of those weird shows, he's like a really weird kind of creepy little dude, is, the, is one of the main villains of the season. And I think he elevates the, the threat, like the stakes of the show a lot. And so we got this awesome dialogue between him and Oliver in this episode as well. And then also in this episode... This whole season, the FBI has been really trying to crack down on vigilantes, right? So then this hothead FBI agent is, tr is like, going to shut down Oliver Queen. Like, she thinks she knows everything uh, there is to know. And she, like, comes out and arrests him in front of his son in the middle of this Thanksgiving Day, like, oh, food thing. Like, she's some kind of hot stuff. Like, I just can't wait till she gets, like, punched in the throat gets or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, get sure. out of here, dude. Like, he has saved Starling City. And you're all you're all like, well, vigilantes are mean. Like they're cowards. They don't they don't go out. I hate that argument in comic books too from people. Like vigilantes are just cowards because they hide in the shadows. Blah blah blah. I um first of all, the vigilantes don't have superpowers more often than not. More often than not, exactly. So put yourself in the situation from someone who has immense amounts of courage, so that way they can try and save the average day person. You can't just walk around in public in broad daylight oh, saying, also, oh, I also, let's freaking backtrack for a second what Oliver has done as a vigilante, as a coward, air quotes. He has stopped uh, Damien Dark, 
a literal warlock from destroying the entire city. Uh, he stopped the last season. He had to stop, uh, what's his name, Adrian Chase from essentially not only terrorizing the city of Starling City, but he saved an entire island. Well, not really because it blew up, but he saved a lot of people because he was planning on doing that to Starling City as well. He saved the Dark Archer from basically eradicating everyone. He stopped Deathstroke and his army of Mirakuru soldiers again from murdering everyone, including yourself. But hey, he's a coward, though. Coward because he won't show his face. Because he won't show his face. That's I hate that argument from her. But anyways, um, so we're going to get into the trial of Oliver Queen, I think, here after the Fortnite crossover that's coming next week, Bilky. They wait, are a, wait, wait. They are what? A, yes, they are adapting Crisis on Infinite Earth between all four of these shows, and they're doing like their TV version of it. It's going to be insane. I was going to say, that I don't watch it, but I'm already interested. Dude, they're doing... So what is essentially happening is they're... It's called Crisis from Earth X, and Earth X is a Earth where the Nazis won World War II. Okay. So it's all the the superheroes, but they work for Germany and Hitler. So we have Supergirl, we have Arrow, we'll have the Flash and stuff, but they all are Nazis essentially. And something happens where they feel like they need to come to this Earth. I, I don't know what that plot line is yet, but that's essentially the the thing here. That sounds amazing. It's incredible. For some reason, every time I hear the word Nazis, I <laughs> the way I hear it in my head is Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards oh, yes. going Nazis and stuff. <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> Killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's gonna be really exciting. I can't wait. And uh, I'm telling you, Bilky, dude, this is you gotta you gotta get with the CWTV stuff. Like, it's campy, but like as nerds and sweaties, it's it's made for us. It's not. It's I'm, literally, I'm literally sweating right now. It's not made for most people. I'm <laughs> telling you that right now. It's a lot of fan service, and I appreciate it. Moving right along, though, uh, Frank Castle is back from the dead. Beautiful. Dude. The Punisher was released last weekend on November 17th. You can't kill the Punisher. You cannot do it. No, you can't. He's too ferocious. Ooh, that was good. He's very ferocious. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> um, so I'm gonna give you guys a quick little rundown and review of the Punisher. Bilky, have you you haven't started it yet, right? No, man, I I haven't watched one second of this yet. That's fine. I'm gonna give you full spoilers anyway. That's cool. You know, I'd, I'll watch it anyways. <laughs> I know you don't care, but okay. So this is your warning in case you guys somehow still haven't seen it, which is possible, I guess. Um, so from from start to finish, this show is fantastic. Let me just tell you that right now. From the moment you start watching episode one to the end of episode 13, it has amazing dialogue, character performances, story, everything that you'd want out of a Punisher story, it has it from start to finish. Secondly, the directing choices throughout the show don't change, and that's the best thing in the world. I don't know if they had the same director for every episode. I believe they did. Um, but it's just the way that he decides to use the visuals for the, story, to, for the sake of the story, I should say, this director really did a really great job of conveying it visually as well as having it complement the already amazing written dialogue in a TV show. That's excellent because for me personally, it's very frustrating when a show will – I don't mind if they have different directors for different episodes or things like that. But whenever you totally switch the emotions and feeling, that really bothers me. Like, I don't want to know it's a different person directing it. I when want the show to feel the same. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like Stranger Things. So I couldn't tell between when the, yeah. the Kaufman brothers directed an episode when they had uh, the other guy direct the episode or something. It was yeah, very fluid. That was the example that came into my head. Yeah. I was like, Stranger <laughs> Things is fluid. It, it's not different every time. It's always Stranger Things. But. Exactly. 
Um, another thing that I really appreciate on good TV shows is when there's not wasted characters. Like, there's not just a guy there, and then they just kind of go away for whatever reason. And some of you will argue that Donnie, who was in the first episode, you'll meet him, uh, is that character. But I completely disagree. Without Donnie, we don't get this entire arc of the show. Like, he is there for a reason. He is there to get Frank Castle back on this path. So eat your own words if you try to argue me with me on that one. You like can said, add him. You, you can please at me because I, I will argue it. Um, but there's no wasted characters. Every character on the show has a purpose. Every character has their own story, their own vibe. It's amazing, and it's really hard to do. Like it's that's hard to do that. Even with a 13 episode hour long show, it's still hard to make every character like matter. That's a know? lot of writing. That's a lot of things, <laughs> right? That's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I just I think it's it's amazing what they were able to do. Um, and it's not okay. The show is a dark show. Okay, it's a hard R show. But yet, when you watch it and you get done. There's this amazing, like, levity and heart to it. Like, you'll be surprised at, at some of the humor that, and the, the bits of real human emotion that are just kind of narrowly sewed into this storyline. So it sounds like they're doing it almost perfect. I, dude, I'm, I don't understand why the Rotten Tomato score is so low for this show. It's like a 69%. Okay, first of all, okay. Sorry, fuck Rotten Tomatoes, Agreed. dude. I don't. I never enjoy their reviews. I don't think they're. I think they're biased, actually. Do you know what I look at when I go on Rotten Tomatoes? The audience score. Oh, 100 percent. I like because the critic score never lines up nine times out of ten. Yeah, that's like with Battlefront. The critics gave that. Sh- that uh, yeah, I was gonna say that shit pile. I'm gonna keep saying it. Yeah, keep saying <laughs> yeah. They gave that shit pile like what seven point nine or something overall, and then you look at the users, and it's less than one. Exactly. And you want to know why? Because the critics get the full content so they can accurately review the game. But us consumers, who don't have the money and the means to that, we don't. Yeah, and they get paid to put words on the on the paper, so you know also what? Also that. Yeah. I don't care. So I have some standout characters. Um, I'm just going to speak briefly on Frank Castle because we all know John Bernthal is spectacular. He's the best Punisher we will ever have. He is the Hugh Jackman of the Punisher. I'm telling you that right now. That's a very hot take, and I will back it up until I'm in my grave. I'm telling you, like, there's not going to be another guy, probably, that can top what he was able to do with the Punisher, the character, the the raw emotion that this guy can pull out to sell that he's Frank Castle, the way he sells his PTSD, his reactions, his, like, his eyes, dude. Like, when an actor can sell you with just his eyes and nothing else— that to me is amazing. I feel like John Bernthal has PTSD or some. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's but... just really method, maybe. <laughs> like, he probably is, honestly, because he was great in Walking Dead with the uh, with the super heavy role. Like everyone's dying. I'm the one they're counting on. Exactly. I need to kill all these people. You know. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the dude just he pulled out all the stops for this show. And I think he. And the thing is, if you've ever watched an interview with him from like Comic Con or something, or watched a panel, he loves the the fans. Like. He really wants to get this stuff right for them because he's read some of the material as well in preparing for the role. And he's like, one of the things that he always says whenever he gets interviewed is like, I don't care what the critics think. I, I need this to be right for the fans that love The Punisher because they're the ones that are going to carry the show. Um, Burnthal 2020? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. What? Please, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so aside from that, I do have a couple standout characters that you're going to love. Number one, Micro. He's played by Yvonne Moss. Bacharach? I hope I'm saying that right. Bacharach? Bacharach? I don't know. Um, he plays Micro. He's the hacker that Frank teams up with to help take down the FBI, the corrupt FBI agents and stuff. 
he's very funny, and he brings like a real heart to the show in Frank Castle. I think without him, it'd be this really depressing show that I can't go back and rewatch. It's like like Mindhunter, okay? So that show is really dark, really depressing, and really kind of messed up. And I can't, and it's so good, but I can't go back and watch it because there's not really any kind of levity to it. But because Micro's in this show, he brings this funny bromance kind of situation to Frank Castle where, like, they need each other, so they got to kind of put up with their shit and, like, work with each other. Right. So it's really enjoyable to watch. I enjoyed it. Shakespeare would be proud of this comic relief is what you're saying. Exactly. Like, he is pure comic relief, and I absolutely love it. Um, Detective Madani, uh, she's played by Amber Rose Reva. She's, I think— Not, not the stripper Amber Rose. No, not the stripper Amber Rose. Please, <laughs> please make that discretion immediately. Um, she's she is a character that really grows a lot, and I think it's because the first couple episodes I didn't really care for her. Like she was kind of just there. She's playing a very atypical role, but then you get into like episodes, uh, you know, five, six, and seven after her partner gets murdered by Jigsaw. Like that's when it really starts to develop for that character, and you see the the kind of acting and muscles kind of flex for Amber Rose, and she really drives home the performance. It's really it's really enjoyable to watch. I was going to say, from the sounds of it, it's like um, she was just – the directors were kind of just like, all right, read the script from here, and then whenever we really start to get into the meat of your role, kind of take it over yourself. I think she – I mean, I think that was kind of the script, too. I mean, she could only do so much with what she was given, I think, in those first couple episodes. Her character is very atypical. There's nothing special. Like, we've seen it all before kind of right. thing. So she brings a great performance to that regardless. But then once the story kind of gets going, that's when you really start to see her, like, flex her muscles as an actress. And that's when she has more to do emotionally and stuff like that. And it's really cool to see that grow over the course of the show. So is she, like, a better version of Iron Fist's girlfriend? Um, yeah, pretty you know much. How in the beginning pretty she much was just kind of like, yeah. yeah, Colleen, that was her name. Yeah. Colleen Wing is just kind of like, nah, she's kind of static for me or dynamic, I guess, would be the term for it. No. Is that how it works? Is static the stationary? Static is stationary. Dynamic yeah. is more so Yeah, she was a very static character for me, yeah. but whenever um, the hand really started to mess with her, I could see more emotion coming out of her. Yeah. So I'm hoping we, that's what And then we is. got her in Defenders, and she was fantastic in that. Oh, yeah. Well done in Defenders. Yeah. Um, and then we get on to Jigsaw. He's the villain of the story, uh, also known as Billy Russo. He's played by Ben Barnes. This is the character that you're going to love, Bilky. We talked about villains earlier uh, for the Arrow and for... Um, the Flash, this guy, he, okay, you you know how much I love Daredevil on Netflix. Yes. And you know how much I love the Kingpin and his portrayal on Netflix. Of course. He is up there with the Kingpin for me. Really? After watching the show, because he starts out and you're in, you love this guy because you just see that he's sad about Frank being dead because Frank's his best friend from when they had to do all that really messy stuff over in uh, uh, Kandahar uh, for the government. And then you see this complete 180 switch where, like, he's so driven by what he wants and his greed and his, like, will to just want to be loved, essentially, because we find out later in the show that he was given up for adoption because his mother was addicted to meth and stuff like that. So his entire—and then once we get that reveal in the episode, like, everything makes sense because all he wants is love and attention from somebody to, somebody to say, hey, you did a good job, some, some kind of gratif like gratification— type thing and uh yeah he just he grows on you and the actor does an amazing job of delivering these lines with like honesty to frank you can't really tell maybe if he's gonna go back to being like straight or stay bad the whole show it's one of the most amazing writing jobs of a villain i have ever seen i'm super excited to watch this now i don't know why i love villains so much they're but, the most fun 
Yeah, they really are because they're just misunderstood when you go down to the bare bones of the issue. That's all it is, is they were most likely searching for some help that they didn't get. So this is how they're doing. Like, I don't know. I guess this is how they're coping with it. Like this, this guy you're talking about. True. And I think what makes the best villain is when you can look at a villain and you can kind of wait until the movie or show or whatever is over. And if you can flip the script and maybe change it from their perspective and you can see how the hero of the story is the villain to them, that's what makes it a good villain. If you flip it and you realize like, oh, well, this doesn't really like, why was he even mad? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Like you are the villain in any scenario. Um, That's what makes it kind of a static villain, but he is absolutely dynamic. His character growth is fantastic and it's amazing. So those are my uh, standout uh, characters and performances from the show. Excellent, dude. Actually, the point you just made reminded me of the villain from Thor. I yeah. forgot her name. But Hela. Hela, yeah. If you look at it from the, her point of view, her father was needing her her whole life and then locked her away when she got really strong. So he's totally the villain. Out of her. his own guilt about what they did in order to get the kingdom of Asgard. Exactly. And then she comes back and she's like, yeah, Calling him yeah, out on no, it. Yeah. I'm about to destroy everything. <laughs> so, yeah, good villain for Thor. I know I keep going to different references, but... No, I mean, it's good. It's all nerdy. It's all in there. It's all sweaty. So now I'm going to move on to my standout moments. Uh, I did three. Uh, I could have done like ten, so I did my top three. So this is in uh, descending order. So my number three moment is uh, Frank and Karen uh, had this moment at the bridge before uh, this whole movement starts with Frank trying to take down the FBI. He gets some information on uh, a lead on who the uh, FBI agent was that led the attack in Kandahar that basically almost got everyone killed. Um, and she kind of, she tries to put things in perspective for Frank because they get in the middle of this heated argument and he's like, you know, I got to go kill him. Like, I, they, this is the last person that, like, tried to be involved in killing my family, taking away everything from me, and I got I to gotta finish it. I got I to gotta kill him. And Karen just kind of lashes out at him. She goes, but what happens after? Like, are you just going to keep killing people? Is it going to be peaceful for you, Frank? Like, she calls him out on all his shit, and it's just this... I just, mean, you just kind of swept me up in the moment right there. I'm not even going to lie. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just got into it for a like, second. Like, that is... I mean, she cares about him so much. And there's kind of this crazy, like, will they, won't they thing happening with him and Karen Page, which I think is awesome. Um, but that that moment for me was just so... Just pure, amazing written dialogue. And we've seen, like... You've seen that kind of stuff in spy movies before, but again, it's the actors. You know, when you get actors that can really sell their roles and get into their characters, that's what that's what makes the difference. Dude, where's my Karen Page? Oh, God, Damn I don't it. know. She's they. I would Karen Page. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> There's no. Im- I meant to say the sentence with that structure. I would Karen Page. I need. All right, if you're listening out there, female Karen Page. <laughs> Or someone similar to Karen Page, female, come find me. Discretionary, as long as it's a female Karen Page. I need you to love me so much that you're still going to hang with me through me trying to tear down the FBI. I want you to want me. Yes, I need you to sing Cheap Trick the whole time as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and then I'm going to move on to my number two favorite moment. Uh, moment. Ugh, God, words are hard. Um, the construction site fight where he saves Donnie from uh, being thrown in the concrete mixer. Oh, that would be a terrible way Bilky, to go. Uh, let me just tell you right now. I'll keep it somewhat spoiler-free, but um, this whole episode, there is a, a rising tension between Frank and this new guy at the construction uh, – between Frank, this guy at the construction site who thinks he's hot stuff, and uh, this new – and um, his interactions with Donnie, who's the new construction kid. He's kind of an outcast, and he's trying to fit in. Um, 
that guy that's kind of a dick tries to kill him after something that happens. And let me just say, we get Frank Castle unleashed. And you're you're watching this whole episode, and you're kind of like, man, is this really how the show is going to be? Like, all this, like, kind of kind of slow, but I'm really interested also. But, man, I need some, like, I need something. You know what right. I mean? And then you get it. You you get all of it. So my Dislocations. Question, oh, God. Facial fracturing. That sounds horrific. Spinal fracturing. And I want to watch it all. It is the greatest six and a half minutes in a, in a lot of TV that I've seen. I'm already questioning, there. like, if I'm working in the same area as Frank Castle, even if I don't know he's Frank Castle, just off his demeanor, why would I choose to be a douchebag? I, that's That was my whole thought. I'm like, where did... Is this guy retarded? What are you doing? Just let him let him slam the the, the sledgehammer into the wall all day. Leave him alone. Exactly. Just leave the guy alone. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, of course, my number one moment is the climax of the entire series, where he gets his final revenge on Agent Orange, and the fight between him and Billy Russo. It's you know we've had the hero of the story, and now we've had the villain of the story, and they're finally getting together and clashing heads, and it's just, it's amazing. Frank, like, freaking, he, like, God. There's one part where, like, Frank takes his face, he breaks it into a mirror, throws him back up onto the, and he, like, flips him around and, like, slides his face across the broken mirror glass, oh dude. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, when you see that, you're going to just freaking cry. It's it's amazing. All right, who wins in this fight? I will not tell you. Well, no, no, no. I'm about to question you. Nope. Who wins in this fight, Frank Castle or John Wick? Oh. Because they both have kind of oh. similar backgrounds oh, with their families being taken, oh, and they're just God. savages. Hand-to-hand <laughs> -hand combat, they both have it. They can both one-shot you with anything. Like, who do you, who do you oh, take God. right there, dude? That's oh. tough. That might be a good Google Plus uh, poll question. It really might. Um, you know what? Me personally... I'm going to pick Frank Castle. Can you tell me why? For some reason, Frank has this innate ability and refusal to die because, not like, in any situation, not just to complete a mission, not just to um, finish the task at hand, but it's just this weird, innate ability. And we see it throughout the entire Punisher show. That's why I'm saying this. There's so many moments where Frank almost dies, and he sees his wife, and he could cross over. Like, he's at that moment, right? And he's just like, no, I'm going to keep living. It's not my time yet. And it's just that kind of thing. And I think John Wick would, for, this would, let me just say this right now. That fight would be long. It would be bloody. Bones would be broken. Because um, there's no way John Wick is just going to roll over. No, this this would be like the slug down knockout freaking end of the line fight okay i would i would pay my entire life savings to watch this fight I, same this would be amazing um any given location but just, we just kind of track them on cameras see how they use the environment kind of thing yeah kind of hunger games like where i can exactly. just see but i'm not there that's exactly that's exactly it um but yeah i th i think push come to shove i would i would take freight castle the punisher damn damn you my you you know I'm taking John Wick, Wick in this fight, son. <laughs> the pistol foo. It's it's after the scene in the club whenever he crucified that gigantic right. dude. Right, and yeah, I was like, you right. know what? I All think right. he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, prob probably. Probably do whatever he wants, yeah. All right, moving right along to Justice League. 
That was amazing segue music provided by KTP. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to give you the good old, a little bit of nerd review. Uh, oh, I forgot to give you my score for Punisher. Excuse me. Hard see it. That's how we do it here on a little bit of nerd. It's either see it or don't see it. And I'm telling you, this is a hard see it for the Punisher. Excellent. Back to Justice League. So as I was explaining here on a little bit of nerd, we go through what we liked. We're going to go through what we don't like. And then we're going to tell you whether or not to see it or don't see it. All right? You are right. All right. So let's get into what we liked about Justice League. First of all, I felt like this was a lot of fun. I had fun with this movie. You know what? I can't even disagree with you. I, I did have fun I with I can't the movie. honestly say I didn't have fun with this movie. First of all, we have a just, like, can we just stop for a second? If, you, if I would have told you four years ago, there was going to be a time where there was going to be a Justice League movie with the essential core group on screen. What live have, action. Live action. What would you have said? You're full of shit, mate. Exactly. So let's just let's just take a backseat and realize where we are right now as nerds. Like, what an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, don't get us wrong here on a little bit of nerd. I know we critique a lot of stuff, but that's that's what we do, kind that's of. What we do. But <laughs> I don't ever think we're ungrateful for the amounts of nerdiness that are just put into mass media for us. Because I remember in when Smallville was on, that was like the only kind of real comic booky show. And what that show was able to start and do is the amazing CW TV that I have now and I enjoy. And I, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me to see how that's grown. Um, and I love being able, like I said, love being able to see the entire Justice League on screen together for the first time ever. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I think they did their action shot well or their pan shot whenever the they have shot. all of, yeah, exactly. You have all of them together. They did that well. It's, it's absolutely amazing. P.S. or spoilers. Anyways. Um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, fantastic. Standout characters for me. I also will mention Cyborg. And You know, now I'm trying to think, and I can't disagree. I wanted to have a separate answer just for some variety, but I really can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was already excited for Aquaman. We've been talking about it for weeks, and he did great oh, for me. Were you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Obviously, after the Wonder Woman solo movie, we know what Godot is going to bring to the screen, and mm -hmm. she brought it just like we expected her that to. That bank scene was freaking cool, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Exactly. You get the new age Wonder Woman music. She dominates the entire fight. In like five seconds. It's What's, actually counted exactly. down. Like What's great for me with um, Godot is that she's like my my power forward that I know is going to be consistent every <laughs> game. Like I don't have a problem starting you. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry when Wonder Woman's on the screen. Nope. Whenever other people are on the screen, I'm kind of hesitant to watch. Like, I got uh, the bench ready for everybody else. You know, exactly. W Dub is, is in there. Um, I'm going to talk about Cyborg for a bit because this was a character that was probably the riskiest and could have been a complete disaster. But Ray Fisher somehow, okay, understand this guy is playing a robot, so you can't be emotional, yet he has to convey that there's a conflict within him control between like trying to express that he's still a human being controlling the mother box technology, and he did it. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, Cyborg's character, just from after watching the movie, I could tell that that was a really difficult role to play because they put him in a really tight spot, and he did just fine for me. He did he did great, and and at the end, he got his Teen Titans suit, and he, and we got a booyah. First of all, we got a Cyborg yeah, booyah. Praise the booyah. On screen, bro. Like, that's amazing to me. Like, that's fantastic. You know what bothered me, though, is he was stuck in such Wait. a... Wait! Like, we will save all bothers right, for the all right. We will save bothers. Trust me, there's plenty of time. 
I have to right. write these down. <laughs> we got confirmation of Green Lanterns in this DCEU also. Yes, we did. That was cool. That was freaking phenomenal. You saw my face in the theater. I was like... Yeah, that was an awesome fight. Dude pulled out the hammer or whatever. Like, Yo, okay. What? All right. Um, we got the allusion to Darkseid, which is what something we wanted from last show. Yes. What was the villain in this? Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. I always and got his name even, mixed up. even in comics lore, he is literally nothing. He is just a little work man, work bitch for Darkseid. So, really, it's a stepping stone. I think they could have came out right at the gates with Darkseid. I understand why they didn't, because they thought they were going to be able to do a couple movies. We'll get into that later. Don't worry. Um, I'm not gonna lie though. Whoever animated Stephen uh, Wolf's fights, they were they were rough, dude. Horrendous. Like what the hell? There's a lot of. Anyways, we'll get there. Um, we got Superman at the end of this movie. Was the Superman that I wanted as soon as they said they were making a new Superman. He was when he came back after he got to the farm. Okay, and he shows up and he comes in, delivers that line about justice, and then just bow knocks Stephen Wolf in the face. I was like. Oh, this is what I needed. Where have you been? Um, again, like Superman for me, I get what Zack Snyder was trying to do with Man of Steel. I understand you wanted to do something different with the character by like exploring what it would be like if he came into like a real world situation being from Krypton. Um, dumbest freaking idea you've ever had, Zack Snyder, by the way. I don't oh I don't mean to be mean. That's the dumbest idea you've ever had. First of all, there's no Superman movie. You don't have to make it this conflict about, ooh, I'm an alien. I don't fit in. Like, we know that. We freaking know he wouldn't fit in. We get it. We got it in 13 minutes in the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeves. That's all that extended stuff was. It was 13 minutes. That was his backstory. And we still got that he grew up conflicted. He grew up not knowing who he was. And then he finally went to the Fortress of Solitude to find out that he's from Krypton and became Superman. Like, we got it. We didn't need a whole hour and a half movie of him whining about it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So then we get Justice League, right? He gets resurrected. We'll get that. We'll get there. We'll talk about that later because not now. Um, <laughs> um, and then we get him at the end when he finally fights Steppenwolf. His suit is brighter, I noticed in this movie. It looks like it was pulled right off the New 52 and the Rebirth stuff. He is smiling. He has charisma. He had the cool, like, really cheesy campy, like, I I'm a believer in justice. Bam! And then, like, punched <laughs> Stephen Wolf. Like I said, punched Stephen Wolf. I was like, this is the Superman that I needed. If this Henry, if Henry Cavill can do this, this Superman in the next solo movie that he gets, whenever it may be, five, six years, that will be the perfect Superman movie. And yes, I would like Zack Snyder to do it, but just have it be this Superman with all the amazing visual storytelling that Zack Snyder can do. I can't really disagree, mate. It's amazing. I like it. I liked his edginess. It felt like an actual Superman comic book when he was right? resurrected. Yes. The and confliction the, the was The fight real. was awesome. Oh, I will yeah. say that the fight was awesome. Visually, this movie is not disappointing. No, not really. For the most part. Not really. There are some things. We'll get there. You can tell when they CGI'd okay. sometimes or green screened. And I was just like, okay, this is frustrating. Fun fact, fans. If it ever looks really hazy around the edges of uh, of characters on screen, that's a really cheap way to do some fade out between the green screen and what's being captured on camera. So just know that that means they didn't have time to actually render out the rest of the background to make it look real. AKA shortcuts were taken. <laughs> Massive. And the last thing that I have on my likes is that 
I liked the idea of Bruce and Diana developing this cute little romance thing. Like, that kind of kind of had that going on. Although, I wish it was between Superman and Wonder Woman like it is in the new 52 run of Superman. So that way Lois Lane doesn't have to be on screen anymore, but that's just my that's yeah, just my own beef. I was I would agree. I was reading the show notes and I was like, you know, I wish it was more uh, canon-esque, I guess, but I think they have to kill off Lois Lane. Hopefully. Like, completely. Hopefully. But I don't think they will. That's the issue. Contracts. I mean, they what have a they have a ginger Lois. Of course they're not going to kill her off. Like, they're just not doing any of it right. Why does she have red hair? I don't know. Stupid. Anyways, all right. So, now we're going to get into what we don't like. And actually, I sectioned this a completely different title. It's called What Went Wrong and How Can We Fix the DCEU? So we're going to get into stuff we didn't like about Justice League, how it how it went so wrong so fast, and we're going to play a little game where we are going to role play and pretend that we're trying to do damage control at DC uh, in their studios to try to fix it. So currently, the first weekend it opened. Keep in mind, this is the first Justice League ever made in film history, TV, hit, like film, entertainment, Hollywood, whatever, whatever. And... Um, Bilky, it took in $96 million domestically. It's so shit. <laughs> Fans, I know that might seem like a lot to you. It's more money I'll ever see in my lifetime, ever. But this movie cost well over $600 million to make. Yeah, they made literally nothing compared to what they spent. So, I, right, I, this had me going earlier. My major beef with it was, for Cyborg... He had to play a certain role, and I think he did it really well. They were like, "Dude, this is gonna be hard. We need you to. We need you to fulfill this." We, they gave him the screen time. He did great with it. Like when he backhanded Steppenwolf when he was Ooh. trying to fix the thing, that was amazing. That I was, was like, hot. "Okay." He Woo. didn't even look at him. He no. just smacked he him. Said, Get off me! I'm East. doing things. <laughs> exactly. So you know, Cyborg strong. That was cool. You gave Ezra Miller so much screen time, and he just did not oh do what God. I needed him to do oh with it. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So, um, hold on. Oh my if God. I'm redoing the DCEU, I know Jalen's like, oh my God, his veins are pulsing right now. Oh, my God. If I get to redo it, I remove Flash. I remove the Flash, honestly. I recast I the Flash. Recasting is cool. I don't, think I, would, I don't think I would just remove the movie completely. I still think... There's a way to make the Flashpoint movie and make it fun, but not with Ezra. Oh, I think they could do that. I just wouldn't have put the Flash in this movie. I'd make up some excuse like, oh, the Flash is in uh, whatever, the Speed Force doing something. Sure. Like, I, Ezra Miller sure. did so, not get it done for me. You know what would have been cooler? Obviously, it's not practical. If they would have ditched the Flash and put a Beast Boy in there. Maybe. I mean, that might, that might have worked. Or, I mean, you could have done the Green Lantern instead of the Flash. There's, Or you could have done Martian Manhunter instead of the Flash. I think the Flash was fine being in the movie. Um, okay, I think I'm, I might be over exaggerating how much I dislike the Flash. I did rewatch it again, pirated just before this uh, review. Um, what did you think, pirated? I mean, I found a good quality rip. I mean, it, was, it wasn't bad. Um, but here's the thing. I get that they were trying to kind of course correct from what they thought was the problem in their other movies, which was the tone. Um, first of all. The tone was nothing to do about why people didn't like the other DC movies, okay? And people will say that it was because of the tone. Like, oh, it's too dark, it's too this. No. Stupid. The problem was, you can have a dark-toned movie, 
but you have to have dialogue and story that makes sense. Is this not what we were talking about when we were saying what do we want from Justice this is League? Exactly we what both we want. said dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Exactly, and story beats, right? Got um, nothing. So, I don't. I don't want to pin too much on Ezra Miller because I feel like he was trying to do the best with what he had, and I've seen this kid act and other stuff. He is not a bad actor by any means. He's fantastic, in fact. I just don't think that what they were trying to do was course correct so hard they made him this default funny joke guy, and what that did essentially was ruin what the essence of the actual character from the source material is. Barry Allen is very funny in the conflicts, okay? Don't get me wrong. But he is not... They made him. They tried to make him Peter Parker. That's how I felt watching the movie. I felt like I was watching Tony Stark try and recruit Peter Parker. That's, that's how I it mean, felt when Batman came to go find the Flash. Early critic reviews in the movie said that that's what he was. He was like DC's Spider-Man, and that's so that ridiculous. scared me. That scared yeah. me a lot because that's not what he is in any incarnation of the comic books. Wally West is more of that than Barry Allen. And so is uh, Impulse. Impulse is definitely more funny than Barry Allen. But, um, I yeah, think they, that was my main issue. Yeah. With the, he was too. He was way too many forced jokes, way too many just like, oh, I'm the funny guy. I don't think we'll get it if they continue on and do this Flash movie. Um, I don't think it'll be that bad. But I feel like because of how rushed the pace of this movie was, how terrible the story was, that it kind of just stood out. You know what I mean? Why was he so young? That too. That, that I also bothered did not me. Understand. I was like, "Why is the Flash a kid? That's he not going to pan out." He's like my age. Yeah, it's not going to work for the future. No, nope. because they're all going to be old, and then Flash is going to be at the age where he should have been. I mean, from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, out of the whole of them, I don't think, I don't think Aquaman ages that much. Like, I think Atlanteans age slow. I'm Amazon's right. Wonder Woman's not going to age. Superman's, Superman's not fine. Age Cyborg forever. definitely doesn't. So Batman's definitely not going to be able to stick around that much longer. At least this current version. Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal's version will. We'll see. To be continued. That's the issue with DC. They're just so scattered. I don't know what to get. I don't know what to expect. I can't <laughs> anticipate everything. Uh, second thing that I'm going to talk about in the what went wrong slash dislikes. The fucking mustache debacle from Henry Cavill. Dude. Okay. Is this a rant? This is ridiculous. (laughs) You know that you just had to CGI one of the most difficult things to CGI on a person, which is the upper lip. That is the toughest thing to render in CGI and visual effects. Fact. Ask anyone that's working in the industry. Why would you open the movie with a reshoot of what you had to fix? Dumb. And I guess that plays into them taking out, like, 80% of the movie anyways. (laughs) Like, ugh. They pretty much reshot the entire movie and just threw it on the screen. And were like, oh, I hope you like it. Yes. In case anyone's unaware, this film had started production and was uh, filming during the the theatrical run of Batman vs. Superman. So they did not know what the critical response was of that movie quite yet. Um, Once they heard about it, they decided to try and course correct it. After Zack Snyder had a family tragedy, which was horrific, and my thoughts and prayers are still with that dude. Same. Um, to me, they should have halted production until he got back to finish his movie. But um, WB is freaking retarded, and they didn't do that. They're just so impatient. They feel like they have to catch up to Marvel, but it's not even a race. That's exactly. the issue. Exactly. And 
you know what? Like, I would have been fine if I had heard, like, because of Zack Snyder's family issue, if they would have made a nice press release, which is what you have a PR agent for. Anyways, you make the press release. You say, this is what's happened with Zack Snyder. We're pushing our date back on our release. The movie is almost done. From what we understand and what was cut out, about 80 to 85% of this movie was shot and done. And then they went back and recut this movie, dude, with reshoots. That's why they were so expensive to do. There's an entire Superman story arc that we didn't get in this movie. There's an entire Aquaman story arc that we didn't get in this movie. Uh, there's an entire flat. There was supposed to be more Flash and Cyborg in it, too. Basically, what happened was Zack Snyder had heard from, to me, this is what it sounded like. Zack Snyder heard the critical responses from both the movies that he'd done. He said, okay, well, Justice League is my big shot, right? I'm going to take the time, right? I'm going to develop these characters. I'm going to take a little bit more time and dissect all these things. I'm going to expand. I'm going to give the Superman return the return of what we want. I'm going to put him in the black suit. going to have him be evil Superman for a bit to fulfill that nightmare that I teased in Batman vs. Superman. It's going to be great. And then Joss Whedon comes in here and just takes a hot dump all over it and goes, now nah, we're going to cut this, we're going to cut this, we're going to cut this. This needs to be funnier. This needs to be that. And it just turned out to be this giant mess. Yeah, it turned out to be a $600 million mess. mess. It, just $300 in, in reshoots when this was already like a $250, $300, dollars $300 million movie. That's not even including advertising. Honestly, I know Zack Snyder's probably dealing with a lot right now with his family, and he's not too concerned with it. But I would be pissed, honestly. I would be mad, too. Like, you took my movie and made it something completely different from what I wanted. And honestly... Let's be real here. This, the cut we were going to get from Zack Snyder was going to be dark. It was going to be the same old, same old. But you know what? I think it would have been more epic. And I'm going to defend Zack Snyder right now and say that I think Justice League would have been better than Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel because he does better with ensemble films or films that have to deal with multiple characters. Look at 300 and look at Watchmen. Those two he movies. He did both of those? He did both those oh, movies. Oh, my. Yes. This movie you know would have I mean? been infinitely times You've better. You've seen how... Oh, uh, in, in particular, Watchmen, because that's a superhero movie, right? Yes. Multiple characters in that movie, right? dark. How epic is the ending of that movie, though? It's amazing. That's the thing we could have gotten with Justice League had he been allowed to just finish out his vision, but no. And furthermore, look at the technology difference from when Watchmen was produced and put out compared to now. Mm -hmm. This movie could have been visually on par with probably Avatar. And it also, would have been amazing. We wouldn't have had to deal with this mustache debacle and goddamn mustache. Okay, but but if you're WB, right? How how is it logical to you to not look at Paramount in the face and be like, "No, fuck off." He's going to shave the mustache and you can just attach one for that movie cuz that is cheaper and easier to do than to render off his mustache what Whoa. i'm reading in the show notes here and you have ben oh. affleck mailed in this performance oh, i could not he... agree more oh my, oh my holy god hell did he ever mail in this how hyped were we for ben affleck and how one much support time, right? did we give him one last time right and you just come in and you you cash mail it in bro like you got to be kidding mm. me it pisses me off because ben everyone was on your side dude everyone was on your side a after your performance were. a yes. lot of people were and they wanted you to stay, but you got whiny because they said, no, we want to do a different vision and direction for the Batman movie. We're not going to let you direct and write it. You can still be in it. So you got all salty. You give this this piece of crap performance as Batman. Ah, man. I was very That's on you, Ben Affleck. On this you, is going to be here for the rest of humanity. Exactly. That's on you, mate. That's on you.
And to be honest, I can see why he wants to leave now, because Batman doesn't tell jokes. Yeah, why was Batman so, like, carefree? Why was just... he telling jokes? I don't, I... That's not a thing. Batman is the number one detective in the world. He's living in a cave. He's been orphaned since he was a child. Where does comedy fit into this man's life? His only, like, mentor was a very old man. And can we just discuss, like, he's this great detective, but he can't figure out what Barry Allen's powers are yet, so he decides to just... He he claims he doesn't know that Barry Allen's a Flash, so to decide and to test what his powers are, he throws a batarang at his face. Like, what? So let's what, just say what, it's what, not Barry Allen. Yeah, let's just say it's not him. Like, he's just going to have a... Exactly. So you broke into this teenager's or young 20-year-old's house. You sat around and waited. So now creep, the, now the law is also. calling this premeditated. And then... <laughs> You decide to throw a batarang at his forehead. So now you have a dead 20-year-old as Bruce Wayne Jesus premeditated. Christ. Like, stupid decision. And the fucking Flash suit is in the basement that he's already doing? sitting you in. You are looking directly at it. You don't need him to admit it. You need to tell him, yo, Flash, I need you. Exactly. I'm Batman. I need Just you. Just be like, I'm Batman. You're Barry Allen the Flash. I know who you are. I'm assembling a team. Bad shit's about to go down. Wonder Woman's hot. Are you coming in or not? That's probably my most frustrating point of team assembly scenes. Yes. Just tell them what's happening. If they don't want to participate, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Let them die. Don't save them. I don't care. Like, if I tell you the world is about to end from an apocalyptic-sized army, yes. and you have superpowers and you say no, dude, That's I, on you, I, bro. I, I might put you down right then. You got to live with that, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Also, can we address that? Wonder Woman. I'm going to go back to Wonder Woman for a second. Um, and I want to point this out for the feminists out there. Um, it was very apparent the difference when Wonder Woman is being directed by a man and when she is being directed by Patty Jenkins. Oh, yeah. She took a minor backseat in this film. Not just that. Just the directing shots in general. There are a lot of butt shots of Gal Gadot. Yes. Why do you like – I know what Wonder bad. Woman looks like. I know what Gal Gadot looks like. Can I see her whoop ass? Zoom in on her fist. That's exactly. what I want to see. Show her biceps. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was very apparent they were trying to, like, they're sexualizing just, Like, her. yeah, they sexualized her in a, in a huge way. And I wanted to shout that out to women because as a dude, I noticed at first, like, the first one I was like, all right, that's kind of nice. But then, like, it kept happening. And I was like, dude, come on. It almost made me uncomfortable. Like, come on, man. I don't need that. That was the whole point of why we loved Wonder Woman the movie. Like, it was the glorification of women being powerful and beautiful. And then you just do this shit. Damn it. I bet Zack Snyder would not have done that. Uh, don't count on it. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I'm trying to back up Zack. Damn it. Um, so let's, let's put ourselves in the driver's seat. We gotta do damage control, Bilky. We know we have Aquaman. Josh Whedon's out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so our first move is Josh Whedon is out, correct? Yes. Now, we've lost money on Justice League. We're, we're probably going to make about half back, if that. Um, That's generous. So here's my suggestion, right? We all know that there is a good 80 to 85% of this movie that's a completely different cut, yeah? Yeah. My proposal is this. We can make some money back off of DVD sales. That's a fact. How do we do this? We give him two cuts in the movie. We yes. call up Zack Snyder. We ask him if he would be comfortable coming into the studio, kind of working with what Josh shot and what he shot and trying to piece together the rest of what his movie was 
because a lot of the shots in this movie were just recolored and re-edited in visual effects from what Zack had already made. Like, the end battle scene was supposed to be a nighttime scene. Instead of it being red, they did it red to make it brighter. I understand. Whatever. Um, I would have him come back in, see if it's possible to make the Zack Snyder cut work if we can put some money into visual effects and whatever, what have you. Uh, that's my first proposal, my first option to get us kind of back on track. Because then we're gonna get the fans back, right? Mm-hmm. It'll kind of, and my my vi- my thinking behind this is, you know what the term cult movie phenomenon is? Yes. Where like a movie comes out in theaters, doesn't do well, but then it's on DOD and on demand, and it just it, radical popularity, right? Right. That's what I think could happen if they released a Zack Snyder cut with the Joss Whedon cut on Blu-ray and DVD. I like that idea. And then it circulates. So then by the time we go to Aquaman. Aquaman hopefully is good. Um, that gets a good review. And then down the line, I think we're supposed to get uh, Wonder Woman 2 at some point, and then Solo Batman, and maybe The Flash somewhere in there, and Shazam. So we just take our time, right? We take our time. I don't think a hard reboot is needed. I don't think so. But here's my thing. I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm pressing for it with The Flash. Uh, so my only, like with me, I'm just recasting him. I'm cool not. with the Flash, but I need him to be an older person. I'm going to keep Ezra and give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he did the best with what he could. Because um, I don't like just – I don't want to be biased towards Grant Gustin so much, even though he's amazing. I don't want to just try and have that bias myself. I'm going to give him one more shot. I'm going to give him his Flash solo movie, but I'm definitely using it as – a one reset button fix anything I don't like tool because we're doing the Flashpoint storyline. I don't even need Grant Gustin to be him. I just don't like that he's so young because I don't know how he's <laughs> he going to... He has a baby face. That's what I'm but saying. But so does Grant Gustin. But I, mean, I just don't know how it's going to pan out in the future with what they want to do. That's my issue. It'll be fine, I think. I don't think it'll be that big of an issue, to be honest. Um, But yeah, so ooh, ooh, we do I, the Flashpoint movie. I know what I would do. I'm sorry. Segway into New Batman. Let me get it real quick. Yes. Please drop cameos. Cameos would be great. Yes, that's one that's tiny do. fix I would do. Cameos. Let let the people know there's more of the Justice League members that are active in this universe. I think that's what they can do with these solo movies. And then I don't think you do another Justice League movie until like five, six years down the road from now. Oh, yeah. I'm so just, serious. Yeah, that needs to take a major halt. Like you said, have cameos. Have like, you know how, you know, uh, Iron Man showed up in Spider-Man Homecoming. Little stuff like that, like... Little interactions that make sense organically within your stories, you know, um, kind of in between all these movies and build up the universe again and then give us a new Justice League with these characters that we actually like. I need a Flash solo movie. I need an Aquaman solo movie. Happening and happening. I need Wonder Woman 2. That is happening. Th- yes. And this is all prior to Justice League 2. Oh, for sure. I need a solo Green Lantern movie. Taking a shot at Green Lantern. Yes, I want Solo Ooh. Green Lantern because I want him in two, and then I want a Manhunter cameo in Green Lantern. I think that'd be cool. I don't think it would be difficult either. That's the issue right now. I think it's a ballsy risk because we we still have we, – we love Ryan Reynolds' as Deadpool now, but everybody just remembers. That's how they tried to start off the DCEU a long mm-hmm. time ago was with – that Green Lantern movie. That sucked. And yeah, it was bad. Um, but if I'm in the driver's seat and I'm trying to make drastic changes to switch it around, I'm taking that big risk. 
I think that's the thing. DC's got to just be balls out at this point. They have nothing to lose now. What's uh, they're already they're already in the hole. You know what I mean? What's the name of the other Green Lantern? That's who I would go with. John Stewart. Yes, I, I Jordan. Yes, I, I make the John Stewart solo Green Lantern yes. movie. That's what I would do. Because, because we have a Black Panther movie coming out from Marvel, do we not? We do. Why not represent with DC? That's a really easy character to do. It is, and it's. I feel like you'll get so much fan appreciation be, from people who watch Young Justice and stuff like that mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's real. Oh exactly. And he's on screen. Please do that. I think it would be way better than casting another white Green Lantern. How Jordan had his chance and he failed. He face planted hard. And it's not necessarily Ryan Reynolds' fault. I think the no. guy gives everything whenever he performs. I but. still think the funny thing is, I can still watch the movie because of Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. It's still it's horrible. Don't get me wrong. Oh, that villain sucked, man. It. Oh, wow, they blew it with that guy. <laughs> it should have just been Sinestro from the jump. No, exactly. And oh, but that's understand. what you do. That's what you do. You yeah. just nailed it. You do John Stewart, Sinestro is the villain. Martian Manhunter appearance. Quick cameo. Quick cameo. To introduce him in the universe, and then we bring him in another cameo in Justice League. We see how the fan reaction goes. Maybe he's the Black Widow of the DCEU. He never really gets his own standalone movie because we don't really know what to do with it, but he can just keep appearing. Yeah. I think that's what his role could be. Or like the Hulk, you know what or I like mean? like the Vision. Yeah. Like, they, they're not they're not going to give Vision a solo movie. I don't think I would never. go see it. I wouldn't care about Vision's it. Vision's going to die in Infinity Wars. I believe so. I believe so. Because that pretty little rock on his forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bilky, uh, it's time for that other segment of the show. Um... (laughs) God damn it. It It's the face. You guys can't even see the face. You can't see my face. Not yet. Did you see Justice League? Yes. I'll tell you what, that Gal Gadot is an angel. Except when it's only booty shots. Yeah, that was just discriminatory. I don't like it. And I like Superman. His blue tights are so tight. It's like they painted it on with velvet. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for that show, uh, part of the show called If You Want to Read. And it's part where we give you uh, recommendations on Netflix, comic books, literature of other sorts, and other cool stuff we've been checking out lately. Uh, Bilky, have, do you have anything of late that you've checked out and done? I, I know you have a show tonight, which is going to be pretty popping. Popping, yes. I finished Parenthood almost. I think I did that last week, but I'm just updating you on where I'm at in life. I love Parenthood. I'm almost finished. Dak Shepard. Oh, Dak Shepard's my favorite. Um, I started watching Atlanta. That is it's freaking good, hilarious. Right? Yeah, I never watched it, and I I'm halfway through it. I was I only made it through the first episode, and it was so funny when they did that Montague or Mont. Yes. yes, and I thought the theme music was so familiar, and I couldn't remember what it was from, and. It was so close to Bob Ross's intro. It really I is. looked it up and I was like, I think this is Bob Ross, is it? But it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, that might be it, dude. I don't know. I have another show that I can't think of right now. But yep, whatever. Yep. Yep. Whatever. Um, I have some news for you. Uh, yes. That manga that I mentioned a long time ago, Battle Angel Alita, uh, apparently is being eyed by James Cameron for a film adaptation. No shit. No shit. Um, and here's... I know we hate American adaptations of anime, but my thing with Battle Angel Alita is I think from a, just a general story perspective, because it's not so heavily ingrained in Japanese culture and society like that of uh, Akira or Ghost in the Shell or um, – uh, what was the other one? Death Note, you know. 
Um, I think that one would be okay to do an American adaptation of. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Asian a- Asian American actors. It'd be cool if it was, if we could actually finally do it. Um, but yeah, that what I don't know what your your thoughts are on on that one. Mm, I don't know. You uh, you know, American adaptations of animes usually scare me because yes. they usually mess them up. I don't mind the idea of this one though. I think if they did older animes that are not super popular with today's kids that'd be a better way to go kind of like they did with ghost in the shell not every kid who watches anime now knows what that is yeah my like just spitballing right here i think an american adaptation of neon genesis would be really cool that would be amazing because we have directors like james cannon who cameron i said james cannon James Cameron, who can do ma- like amazing machinery effects and direct stuff like that, isn't that the dude who did Transformers? James Cameron did Avatar. He did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Titanic. He did. Um, didn't do Alien, right? No, he didn't do Alien. Who did um, um Transformers? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. So we like. I don't. I'm not the biggest Michael Bay fan. No. But we have people who can make machinery look amazing. Exactly. So I think that Neon Genesis would Genesis would be a really cool way to go, but. If I was going to say, oh, let's do a Naruto or no. something like that, no, I would never, never no. Because um, Dragon Ball Z used to have a bunch of those. In- and I got God. that from John Campia's show. And um, first of all, great show. Gets you all your good movie news. Fantastic host as well. Um, and then some guy popped up and did something along the lines of wanting, like, he mentioned how Zack Snyder was a great visual storyteller, um, which you can't argue. All of his movies look amazing. They do. They look fantastic. And then he goes, uh, with Battle Angel Alita being, you know, eyed by James Cameron, who's also a great visual st- storyteller, what if Zack Snyder did, like, a Dragon Ball Z? I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. While I never want to again see Americans attempt a Dragon Ball Z movie, if you told me that it was going to be directed by Zack Snyder, I might be interested. It depends on what arc he did. Let's say Goku Cell Black. Games. Okay. Cell Games, I could do that because it's dark for a while. Everyone's dying. And then you get this beautiful moment with Gohan and his dad. Yeah. It's dark, and I like that. Um, I still think the Goku Black arc would be cool because it's an apo- like apocalyptic era. Yep. And then the whole movie would be around Future Trunks. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. That's what you want the future. <laughs> but then... I'm taking a risk there because that's my favorite character, and they could just totally shaft him. True. Very true. But oh well. Uh, my recommendations for you guys are going to be Justice League War from DC Animation. It's just a really cool Justice League movie. It uh, kind of gets all the Justice League members together. You get your Green Lantern, you get your Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, all that good stuff. Um, as far as reading recommendations, I'm going to give you guys the Volume 1 Justice League Rebirth on Comixology. Check that out. Great visuals. Great story. It's pretty fun. And then, of course, we're going to go with Justice League vs. the Power Rangers. Yes. yes, this happened. It was published by Boom Studios. Um, the story is, like, whatever. But, hey, it's freaking Power Rangers versus the Justice League. And I think it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened in comics. So those are my recommendations. Dude, Justice League would shit on the Power Rangers. <laughs> they do. Oh, they do. Don't you worry, kitten. <laughs> well, Bilky, uh, we did it. We did it, man. We did it on a Saturday. With time to spare. With a little time to spare. So, uh, again, this cost us $0, Bilky. Settle. $0. It's because we do this show on uh, podcast.com. It's the best place to host your podcast because it gives you unlimited storage, optimized search engine capabilities, 
and uh, it's it's just good. It's free. Zero. 100%. It's the best. It's the best around. Uh, these comic recommendations that I just gave you, the Justice League Rebirth and Justice League vs. the Power Rangers, are both on Comixology. I checked this morning. And they're having a DC sale uh, for Black Friday, and because Justice League came out, you can get buy one, get one, and they have some DC titles for 88% off. And I bet there'll be a Cyber Monday sale as well. There probably will be. So definitely get on Comixology. Best place to get your digital comics because you can easily convert your Amazon account to it with two clicks of a button. It's amazing. 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 You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jalen Holston. Bilky, where can people find you on the internet? Follow me on Twitter at LGBilks. You can follow me on Instagram at B-I-L-K-O-Z-B-Y. Open for your interpretation. Excellent. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, guys, keep on being sweaty, and we'll see you next week. Bye.